Hey, it's Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive, KRCL's show for and about grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Tonight, we're going to get a lot of art on your radar. Coming up, several art exhibits about to open, and we're going to talk to two nonprofit organizations hosting them and also dig into what you'll be able to see once we get this COVID surge behind us, folks. Going to be talking with Gabriella Huggins, the new executive director at Art Access, about their new partners exhibit opening at the Bountiful Davis Art Center. Laura Hurtado and Jared Stephenson from the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art are going to clue us in on five brand new exhibits Umoka is installing as we speak, including our Wake Up Call for Freedoms, a collaboration with the Four Freedoms Artists Collective, timed specifically to coincide with the Utah Legislative Session this month. And then we'll dig in even deeper to a Umoka exhibit that will start January 21st called Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads, an immersive documentary exhibit that deconstructs the mythic Indian stereotype. Organizers and artists involved in this exhibit, including members of the Shoshone Paiute tribes of the Duck Valley Indian Reservation in Nevada and Idaho, will be joining us later this hour. Dipping into our rallies and resources list, some events are pivoting to virtual given the COVID surge. For instance, on Saturday, a rally to save our Great Salt Lake is now happening virtually at 12 p.m. Join them online to find out how the Great Salt Lake can benefit from your help. Of course, the lake is drying up quickly in this drought we're going through. The ecosystem collapse there is preventable, says the group. But our legislators have failed to take meaningful action, they say. And during the online rally, you can find out more, especially since the legislative session starts on Tuesday, folks. Both Westminster College and the University of Utah have several events planned in honor of Martin Luther King Day. Some events are pivoting to self-directed service projects, like at the Benyon Center at the University of Utah. Although I asked this week, and the march is still happening with the University of Utah starting at East High and then going up to Kingsbury Hall at the University of Utah. Check rallies and resources for all the details on that event and the slate of events planned for both Westminster College and University of Utah in our community in honor of Dr. King's birthday. And a reminder that the U.S. National Park Service is waiving entry fees on Dr. King Day, Monday, January 17th. I know we talk a lot about vaccinations for humans. Well, I want to remind you that while we've all been putting off our visits to the doctor the last two years, unless we absolutely needed them or were in dire distress, um, our pets probably have been ignored a bit too. There is a free pet vaccination clinic this Sunday from 10 to 2 at Wallace Stegner Academy, 980 South Bending River Road, and it's hosted by Rough Haven Crisis Sheltering in partnership with Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. Now they're not taking walk-ins, so you need to go to Rallies and Resources, click the link, and get signed up. One-year rabies vaccine, DHPP for dogs, FVRCP for cats, microchips, pet ID tags, and a bag of pet food can all be had during this free pet vaccination clinic Sunday at Wallace Stegner Academy. Looking way down the road, I want you to save the date for Labeled Fest 2022 in May, May 12th to the 14th. The festival is a series of ideas and advocacy events focusing on ending the stigma in mental health, disability, developmental recovery, and other marginalized issues through films, ideas, and interactions. There's always an opportunity for filmmakers to participate. So do go to Rallies and Resources and check out down there in May our Save the Date for Labeled Fest 2022. Shout out to founder Brian Higgins for his great work in the community. He's a spot on storyteller too. And those are just a few of the items you can find on the Rallies and Resources page of krcl.org. If you've got something you think should be on this list or should be shouted out during Radioactive, just send me an email, radioactive at krcl.org. And now let's get to our first art conversation of the night. A new year and new exhibits and new folks over at Art Access in downtown Salt Lake City. I got on Zoom with them to get an update. Gabriella Huggins, executive director since July 2021. Nice to finally meet you, given the pandemic and the way folks gather. I haven't had a chance to say uh, welcome. And thanks for being on Radioactive tonight. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. We also have with us curator Chauncey Seacrest and Max Barnowitz, program manager. They're going to talk with us in a bit about the Partners Program and show that's coming up starting January 15th, running through February 26th. But Gabriella, I wanted to talk with you a bit about your background, what you are bringing to the table over at Art Access. What's your origin story? <laughs> origin story. So uh, born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, and I have... I had, been working as a teaching artist for several years and also just a, a working with young people um, for a, more than the last more than a decade, actually, which is wild to think about. Um, so before accepting this position, I was um, working as community programs mentor for Spy Hop Productions, which is a, another local um, and amazing arts organization that does some really incredible work um, and really just kind of wanted to move into more of a leadership role. Um, in the arts community, I think um, I had a lot of great support and mentorship as a young teaching artist, and I kind of wanted to provide that same support um, to teaching artists, program managers, um, a more administrative role. So that's why I accepted this position, which was brand new for me, kind of coming from the lower rungs of an organization to the top of an, of an organization is a huge leap um, and has been an incredible challenge. Um, so, you know, I think what's so great about our access and being able to be in this position is um, really shifting our accesses presence in the community. You know, I think I really want to hone in on the work that Chandra Benito, the uh, executive the executive director before me, started um, around training and education, um, but also just get more connected with the community, with the disability community in Salt Lake. Um, ramp up more programming, which is why we were able to hire Max Barnowitz um, to run that programming for us. Um, and also, you know, reconnect with stakeholders and um, community members and really figure out what people here need. Um, and then through a disability justice lens, increase accessibility in the state. It's right there in the title, Art Access. It's the legacy yeah. of equity and access. And so I look forward to seeing what you and folks at the organization uh, do as you move into 2022. You mentioned being able to hire Max Barnowitz. Hey, Max, how are you? Hey, doing well. Thanks for having us on the show. Absolutely. What's your origin story? Where do you come from to land at Art Access and what do you hope to do? Well, well, I am. Um, I have been working um, prior to Art Access with the Salt Lake City Sustainability Department. So I have a um, passion for community engagement um, and making a difference um, by working with people directly. So I'm really excited to be working with Art Access. I am currently getting an MFA, so I, I do love the arts. Um, and yeah, I'm really excited to be working on the programs. Uh, the partners program in particular is just really, it's going to be really fun. And that brings you and Chauncey Seacrest together, the curator for this uh, partners program. Hi, Chauncey. Hello. Artist yourself, Chauncey? Yes, I am. What's your medium? Um, mostly collage and assemblage. So anything broken and discarded. I want to know when your next workshop is because I'm into that this year. So, and that's one of the Absolutely. great things about Art Access and its exhibits. The accessibility really um, provides opportunity for artists of every stripe and scope to get involved. But I think the public can see themselves in the art and can see that they could maybe do art as well to um, express themselves during these trying times. So Max and Chauncey, let's talk about this exhibit opening January 15th, running through 26th, running through February 26th at the Bountiful Davis Art Center. Um, Max, can you kind of lead off with how we got to here? Because it's a one-year program, isn't it? It is, yeah. So the um, Partners Program is a collaborative program um, where we partner emerging artists with disabilities um, with established artists in the community, and they work together for a full year um, in tons of different media. This year we have a jewelry maker and there's collage pieces and there's painting and ink work. Um, and this is actually a collaborative show between the last two cohorts due to the pandemic, we've had um, to pause one of the shows. So it's gonna be coming together with um, people from 2020 and 2021. So a bountiful exhibit and bountiful Chauncey. Tell us uh, what your take is on all this. Um, you're also an artist. Uh, so, uh, you know, that that collaboration that this exhibit in particular brings together has got to be particularly rewarding. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, collaboration is always uh, a, a difficult thing, I think, for artists. Um but it, but it's always incredibly rewarding, and especially within the context of of this show, 
um, and the, the, the work that is produced through it is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's, yeah, it's just an incredible opportunity to be involved in it. So two years worth of this program coming together in one exhibit. I know that we're in the midst of a COVID surge. So any precautions you want folks to be aware of as they uh, plan their visit to the Bountiful Davis Arts Center, January 15th through February 26th? Yeah, ideally, you know, people could wear masks and, and you know, the, the sort of normal precautions, some social distancing. You know, it is a, a decent sized space. Uh, so there's plenty of room for people to move around. But uh, as, especially anybody who's unvaccinated, but, uh, you know, I try to keep my mask, even though I am, and, and we like other people to do the same. Max, I'm walking in the door. Can you kind of give me a, a tease of what I might see? Describe some of the items that you've seen, some of the art that you've seen coming in as you install this exhibit. Yes, absolutely. So um, we're, we actually have some artists who are returning from um, being in cohorts in the past. So there's going to be a lot of work by Joseph Adams and Brian Krzysztof, um, who do uh, beautiful pieces that are fully collaborative um, with Joe's designs and then Brian's um, painting over the top of them. Really fabulous. Um, we also have a uh, jewelry artist um, who will be showing some works and also some work by a local um, public artist who um, worked on a mural creation in downtown Salt Lake City. We're going to show some works um, that they uh, were able to put together um, as a result of the partnership. And then there's just lots of other great works that folks can see. It's going to be really exciting. Wonderful. Now, is this just for display for exhibit or will the public be able to maybe acquire some local art over the course of this, uh, this project, Max? This is a great opportunity to acquire local art, and I think people are going to really want to. There's going to be art for sale in the gallery and then a lot of pieces in the gift shop as well. Wonderful. We'll put all the details in the show notes. A fantastic opportunity to take in some great art and support local artists, which I think is so crucial over these last two years of COVID. Artists, as I'm sure you're well aware, Gabriella, have been hit hard by what COVID has done to our economy. So uh, any call to action there to the public hearing this about supporting local artists that you would like to emphasize? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, please, please, please come out to this partner's exhibit to support these local artists and just to see quality work. I mean, I this is my first partner's exhibit that I'll be attending. Um, and it's been really amazing to watch the artists come in and drop off their work and hear about their processes. Um, I think, you know, something that is really important to our access is making sure that we're actually supporting artists in their work, in their mentorship, and also in professional development. And so it's a really huge opportunity for artists to spend the time getting getting mentorship from established artists and also having to go to an exhibit, talk about their work, uh, market themselves, promote themselves. So please show up and say thank you for what they've done and show them that their work is going to pay off. Um, also, one thing that I wanted to flag is that um, we have applications for our next partner's cohort open um, on the Art Access website, artaccessutah.org. Um, and so, you know, if you are an established artist who, you know, wants to practice your chops teaching and practice, um, you know, mentorship with someone who really could use the support and the help, um, you know, honing their craft, please, please, please apply to support our um, disabled community. And also if you are an emerging artist with a disability who, you know, wants to practice professional development, um, you know, refine some of the skill sets that you've already been working on in your own time, this is a great opportunity to get some support with materials and pay. And um, we pay both the mentors and the mentees to participate in this program. So please, if you know anybody or if you are someone who's looking for an opportunity to be involved in the community and to increase accessibility, um, sign up. Is there a deadline for those applications, mentors and mentees? Yep. Um, so applications are open currently and the application is open through the 21st of this month. Um, we might be extending the, the application as well. So, you know, we're, we're trying to give people as much time as they can to get in, but please be proactive and put an application so we can get started with the mentorship process. So I did want to ask earlier in our conversation, you said you were a teaching artist and mm -hmm. what is your medium? 
Well, so, you know, it's actually really interesting. I've never really called myself an artist. I kind of stumbled into um, art making and teaching art because of community engagement work and community organizing work. Um, I've always loved working with young people. I think that young people have so much to teach us. I mean, think, talk about mentorship, right? Like I've learned so much from working with young folks. Um, they, you know, inspire me every day to be a better adult and a better person. Um, and I also benefited, benefited very deeply from having mentorship when I was a younger person. So I was actually a student at Spy Hop when um, I was growing up and kind of fell into teaching community programming. So I do podcasting and video making and puppet making and um, set design. Um, and then in my free time, you know, I really like audio production and I'm also uh, a seamstress, which is nice and fun. So I think art has always been um, important to me and around somehow a world that I've been immersed in on accident in a lot of ways. Um, but I think the important thing about the art world is it's such a vibrant community. There's so many ways to express um, and to consume and to reflect. Um, and so it, it's it's a great it's a great world to be in if you're trying to stay connected with other people. So for 2022, what can we look forward to? We've already talked about the Partners exhibit happening at the Bountiful Davis Art Center starting January 15th. That's this week, folks. So yeah. what else is coming up this year as hopefully we get our arms around this damn pandemic? Yeah, so we have uh, the 300 Plates uh, fundraiser, a really popular, long-lasting fundraiser that our access has been running. Um, that's going to be happening in um, the middle of May. Applications for submitting um, to be an artist featured at 300 Plates are open right now currently as well, um, and that runs through March 26th. We're also looking for sponsors. So um, our, sponsorship, our sponsorship applications are open right now currently too. And we have some really great um, incentives for sponsors who are hoping to support accessibility um, in the state um, and then, you know, I think it's a lot of a lot of the work that we're going to be doing this year is really taking a second to slow down and reassess um, where our access wants to be going based off of what the community really needs. So under, you know, growing capacity, which has been really amazing and having Kara Jean Hall, who's doing marketing for us um, and Max Barnowitz running programming for us, we're really ramping up to reconnect with past supporters and partners and figure out what kind of programming they would like to be running. Um, we had we started a really amazing workshop series during the pandemic that was virtual workshops to talk about the accessibility, but also all the intersections of accessibility through race and class and gender. Um, and so we want the community to stay abreast to those opportunities, public facing, where they can learn about accessibility and how to implement it in their own lives and in their own organizations. Uh, Breaking Barriers, which is the training that our access puts on for cultural institutions. Uh, we have a cohort starting next week and then another cohort that will be opening in April. Um, if you if you or your cultural institution wants to learn how to make your physical spaces and also your culture more accessible, that's a great training to run through. But really, we're just sort of revamping um, getting deep into community and figuring out what folks need and what folks want, um, and then building capacities so that we can provide high quality responsive programming to the community. Before we go, do you have anything else you'd like to plug? Yeah, also um, something that's really important is um, you know volunteer board support. Um, we have a really dedicated, amazing board. Um, currently, we're looking to expand our board right now as well. So we have applications um, for new board members open on our website as well. Um, we're looking for community members who are advocates. We're looking for people with law experience to help us uh, stay compliant and make sure that we are aware of conflicts of interest. Um, it would be amazing to have some intergenerational support. So if you're a younger person who and who's an, who's an artist who wants to be on our board and give your input, that would be amazing. Um, and we're also looking for teachers, community organizers, therapists, and folks fundamentally with disabilities. We really want to make sure that people in the community with disabilities have their voices represented on our board um, and can inform the work that we do. So if you're interested in being a board member or have, uh, have someone in mind who might fit any of those descriptions, please go to the Art Access website and apply. And what's that website one more time? artaccessutah.org, A-R-T-A-C-C-E-S-S-U-T-A-H.org. Gabriella, looking so forward to what Art Access is going to get up to this next year under your tutelage. So thank you so much for giving us some time. We'll put a link in the show notes so everybody can check out Art Access, get reacquainted, and also take in the exhibit at the Bountiful Davis Art Center. Thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you, Laura. We really appreciate it. So do check the show notes. There will also be links for those applications to submit for 300 plates or become a mentor in the Partners Exhibit program moving forward. I'm Laura Jones. This is Radioactive. And when we come back, more art, more new art openings in the community, this time at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. 
One of the exhibits will be shattering the pictures in our heads, an immersive documentary exhibit that deconstructs the mythic Indian stereotype. Back at Sundance in 2017, Rumble, the Indians who rocked the world, debuted. So I'm taking some inspiration there to share with you legendary guitarist Link Ray. His story and heritage as a Shawnee is part of that movie. And over the course of his career, he recorded three songs named for indigenous tribes. This is Shawnee, Link Ray on KRCL 90.9, worldwide at krcl.org. Utah Naloxone trains the public on how to save a life with Naloxone, the antidote to an opioid overdose that's completely legal for anyone in Utah to carry. For online training, visit utahnaloxone.org. Support for KRCL comes from X-Mission, Utah's local internet provider. X-Mission offers solutions for residents, businesses, and telecommuting workers, including hosting, email, co-location, internet connections, and more. Details at xmission.com. KRCL, your community connection since 1979. Welcome back to Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7 o'clock, it is Democracy Now!, followed by Thursday Night Psych Out with DJ Mike Walton at 8, The Dirty Boulevard at 10.30 with Gianni, I Don't Sound Like Nobody with Rich Parks at 1 a.m., Jolene's Illustrated Blues at 3, and then John gets your weekend started on a Friday with a brand new day at 6 a.m., You can catch up on all of our programs because we have on-demand listening at krcl.org under the Programs tab, and that's possible because of your support. Thank you so very much. Utah Museum of Contemporary Art starting out the new year with some new exhibitions that they are currently installing and have their doors closed until that is done. To find out more, we Zoomed with a couple of folks to learn what you have in store next time you stop by. Laura Hurtado, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm doing great, Laura. Thanks so much for having me on the show. We also have with us Jared Stephenson. Hi, Jared. Hey, how you doing, Laura? Doing well, and you are the uh, curator of exhibitions over there. So you're taking down a bunch of stuff and getting a bunch of other stuff in, right, Jared? That is correct. I'm uh, currently scraping wheat paste off of the wall uh, <laughs> as we speak. So, so Laura, what does 2022 have in store for you, Mocha, after the year that shall not be named part two? <laughs> Part two, exactly. Um, we are so excited about the shows that we have opening on January 21st. Um, the, the show that will um, follow the mural show, which is is why Jared is is taking wheat paste off the, a big gigantic wall, um, uh, is called For Freedoms. And it's, um, it's, it's an artist collective out of New York, but really nationwide, organized by uh, the artist Hank Willis Thomas. And uh, the show is just so beautiful. I think, um, you know, it's looking at ideas um, of of political engagement and and about calling in and call uh, rather than calling out and um, being visionary rather than reactionary. And we're just so excited. It feels really timely with the legislative session and and kind of with everything we survived in the last uh, year or you know are continuing to go through. And and I, I think I think people will find it really inspiring. It has a, a great participatory nature. And we're partnering with some great uh, great people within the community. The Salt Lake Public Library has a reading room uh, that will be part of the exhibition. And then we also are partnering with the Utah Film Center for a, a, a number of film screenings um, and some great lectures and stuff uh, associated with that. Um, Let me tell you about one piece because I think that is a good summary of the show. Uh, There's a work uh, uh, of two quilts um, that that have the words justice and liberty quilted into them, Um, but then they're made from recycled prison uniforms. And it it really, um, I think, is speaks to, you know, the trend in contemporary where the media is the message and and what does it mean to ask those kinds of questions or to have those kind of words uh, embedded within that kind of materiality. It's such a powerful work uh, that we're really excited to have, uh, have on display. We love our yard signs here in Utah, and you mentioned participatory is a big part of this, uh, our Wake Up Call for Freedoms exhibit. So what am I going to be able to do? Can I make a yard sign? Yeah, you can make a yard sign. So normally, you know, yard signs are used to like divide and stake a claim, like I'm voting for this person, you're voting for that. 
Um, but these yard signs really ask questions. So freedom for, and then you write it in, freedom from, and you write it in. And it's really uh, allowing you um, to think about, um, you know, the things that you value and, and to kind of stake a claim for yourself personally. And then, you know, those will be all over the wall. And when the weather gets better, uh, we'll be all over our, our, our front of, of the house uh, in front of the museum and, and on our back lawn. And so uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, that component and, and some of those you can take home with you as well. So an opportunity to not only see great art, but to make some and get involved in this whole artivism that we talk about a lot here on Radioactive. So as this is coming up, the old murals are going down. I just had a question about whether or not you were able to save any of those, either through documentation or extraction, Laura. Yeah. So no, you know, the, the way that the mural project and show was designed was that they were ephemera. So uh, ephemeral. So um, yeah, they, they were installed directly on the walls six months ago and Jared has spent the first several days of the new year uh, painting over them. And um, you know, it was really, um, I, I think both sad and beautiful to see them um, kind of disappear Jared, tell us about installing this next exhibit, and particularly Justice by Hank Willis Thomas. Yeah, so uh, Laura and I were able to go to Los Angeles to uh, the opening for Hank Willis Thomas's exhibition and saw two pieces. We, we saw Liberty and Justice, um, and e each one is, is made from repurposed uh, materials, specifically fabric. One made of repurposed U.S. flags and the other made of repurposed prison uniforms. Um, and, you know, um, really, when you contrast the two against each other, you have one that represents freedom and one that represents a lack of freedom or a loss of freedom. Um, and I think Hank is just really looking at the prison system and sort of questioning uh, whether or not it's successful or not or or what if if anything is coming from it so for us i think those two uh those two paintings or excuse me those two pieces in particular i think they uh they kind of centered the entire exhibition to talk about what those two words mean for everybody uh you know especially after the last two years but really since the inception of the united states and uh kind of where we are currently Another exhibit opening later this month, Charles Edward Williams and Black River. What's that about, Jared? Yeah, uh, so Charles Edward Williams is an artist out of North Carolina, and this exhibition is looking at the concept of radical forgiveness. And um, for Charles, when he was growing up, his father was in the military and brought some of that military-style um, kind of authoritarianism to his home and was as Charles would say, quite abusive. Um, and then as Charles turned 15, his father became a Baptist minister and his whole demeanor and changed due to that sort of returning back to being a preacher or returning back to kind of Baptist teachings. And I think since that time, Hank, or excuse me, uh, Charles has really tried to figure out a way to forgive his father for what happened early on in life because their relationship is different now. So he's using the language and the lens of Christianity to re-examine his relationship with his father to see if he can find a place of, forgive, uh, of forgiveness and see if he can make himself humble enough to go through with that forgiveness with his father. Laura? Yeah, I, I just wanted to jump in here and, and, and talk about the way that there's parallels between the two shows. I think, you know, we, um, you know, we, we, you can think about Charles Edward Williams show as, as having a distinct kind of um, being through a distinct religious lens. But I think there, there is um, kind of a need for that. Um, I don't know, that kind of change in, in mindset um, that I think both the exhibitions are calling for and, and a kind of um, openness um, uh, for the viewer and for the artists themselves is what they're kind of looking for. And I, so I think there's, there's similar ideas being explored. Um, uh, you know, one of the themes in Four Freedoms is, is visionary, not reactionary. And I think there's something really powerful uh, when that's paired with the notion of, of radical, radical forgiveness as well. And I, I think that that term radical, radical forgiveness has legs, you know, beyond Charles's experience, but um, on a larger cultural level. 
And in just a moment, I'm going to be talking with some of the folks involved in a third exhibit that is getting installed as we speak, shattering the pictures in our heads, which deconstructs the mythic Indian stereotype through an immersive documentary experience. And so, Laura, it looks like Yumoka is starting off the year just pushing the envelope. Yeah, yeah, you know, that's what we like to do. And I think that's what great contemporary art does is it, it asks questions of our lived experience and, um, you know, especially contemporary art and, and our commitments as an organization. We're looking at at artists and art uh, artwork that is really interrogating what our lived experience has been and 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 imagining what it could be. And I think uh, I think if you come, you'll see so many questions and thought provoking questions, and and hopefully really be brought in to that conversation. Um, and um, and we're really excited to have people come and see see these beautiful shows. So, where can folks learn more and plan their trip to the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art, Laura? Um, well, uh, you can visit our, our newly designed, beautiful website at uh, Utah Mocha. That's uh, utahmoca.org. And we are open Wednesday through Saturday, 11 to 6. Um, and then we're open late on Fridays, 11 to 9. So come after work um, and, and bring your friends. And uh, we are a donation-based museum. So $8 suggested donation. But you know, come, uh, we, we'd love to have you. And and we are having an opening reception on February 18th. Uh, the, the shows will all be open by uh, January 21st, but an opening uh, public reception, hopefully once this wave of Omicron passes through on February 18th. And that's Laura Hurtado and Jared Stephenson from the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. And now we go to another exhibit that Yumoka is installing. Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads is a new exhibit being installed at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. It will open January 21st and run through April 30th. And in it, the exhibit deconstructs the mythic Indian stereotype through an immersive documentary experience with genuine perspectives from members of the Shoshone Paiute tribes of the Duck Valley Indian Reservation. And we're going to talk about all of that, but I wanted to share a clip they sent me to kind of share what it's going to sound like when you go. What's the narrative for today? Do you need them to look more stoic? Or is it better if they look angry? For some, we look like a fantasy. I always fires, Colonel, when I see the Indians. That's why I stay so healthy. For others, we were a romantic tragedy. Alive, yet ignored. Hidden and nearly forgotten. That is just some of what awaits you at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art later this month when Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads opens, and it will be in the Kodak Gallery on the upper level. Joining me to talk about it, we have several folks, and I'll bring them in as we go, but we are going to start with Karim Orego, director and also a producer on the program, Carol Dalrymple. Welcome to Radioactive, Karim and Carol. Thank you so much. We'll go Thank ahead. you, Clara. I, I kind of want to start with where this came out of, Karim and Carol. Can you kind of lay the landscape for us on this project? Because there's another nonprofit involved, Edge of Discovery, and all sorts of great community collaboration going on to amplify voices for themselves in their own way. Karim. Yeah. I can speak to the source of Edge of Discovery, and it's a film arts initiative, basically to pair filmmakers with communities and um, create new projects where they're at. So it's not about following the, the the mainstream and the main line, and really saying, what do we want to do? What can we do? What can we make that's unique? Um, that really speaks to us as filmmakers and as people. And it's all about the synergy between those those things and the communities. And so this project came out of about a filmmaking mentorship that um, uh, we had with uh, Colleen Paradise and the community in Duck Valley. Colleen Paradise is another producer on this project who's been instrumental. And that started in 2014 when the people you meet today where like I think Destiny was 14 or something and Lance was probably 13. Um, and so things have evolved from there and it's just uh, been a wonderful experience for everybody involved. Um, 
And that's where the mentorship part came in. And Karim, I want you to give us your take on it. I love talking about this this time of year as Sundance and Slamdance and all the film festivals are coming about. This really shows the collaborative and community spirit that film can engender, Karim. Yeah, so um, this is, uh, when we started this, I wanted to create a love letter to the mentorship and to the community that allowed me to work uh, with them. I mean, this couldn't have been possible without Carol, Colleen, and Taki, Tilanitis, who they started this program. They invited me to be part of it. And I had some of the most wonderful years, uh, you know, collaborating and helping, you know, kids like Destiny and Lance and other ones to create their own stories, make them produce their own stories. So being behind the scenes and listening and learning uh, all their different moments and perspectives, uh, I wanted to have an opportunity to actually, uh, you know, direct with them and say, hey, let's bring this in a more uh, artistic, in a more professional, in a more uh, experimental sense to see where we can, you know, show the, just the beautifulness of, you know, that community. Karim, set up this clip that you've sent over from the installation to me and tell us who's in it and, and why this is important to understanding the the Shattering the Pictures exhibit. Yeah, so um, when the first time that I went to the, the, the Dog Valley Under Observation, first of all, I think many people don't have the opportunity to see these places. And so one of the people that was amazing to set up this historical and just wonderful community was Queen Paradise. Um, and she, uh, just working with her throughout the years has been one of the most wonderful moments of just sharing stories and, and getting inspired by her. And um, when we were talking about the things, it was like, one, what would be the main topic for this project? It would be, well, you know, most people have a connection or know about Native Americans through cowboy movies, which are not the best representation for indigenous people. And so what can we, how can we break down those stereotypes? And so when I spoke with Colleen and she, this clip is about how she, you know, what type, what stereotype she wants to break down. And she focuses on the idea of the, the, the Native American, the, the idea that Native Americans can be serious and only, you know, quiet or whatever. It's the stoic. Like it's stoic. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. When in reality, when you go to these places, it's just so much excitement, fun, and you'll see a little bit of that <laughs> in this clip. All right. Here's that clip. We find joy in simple things. We laugh, we tease. That's really us. You know, we're, we're, we're not very, some I guess can be serious, but 80% of the time we're laughing and teasing each other about something. <laughs> You're not looking at the bowl. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> you learn from that. You make a mistake and, and the elders will tease you. Then you realize, you know, it's kind of embarrassing. Well, I better not do that again. Where we don't really get, like, in the past, we didn't really get balled out. We got teased. And we had to make second thoughts about what we did. Although, as time goes on now, you know, I see a lot more parents yelling at their kids. But that's no longer, um, it's something they learned. Probably from the boarding school age, because when they went, when people were taken to the boarding school age, they were spanked, they were whipped, they were punished for being themselves. And that is Colleen Paradise, producer and script consultant for Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads, which is going to open later this month at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. And Colleen is joining us now. Colleen, a member of the Shoshone Pai tribes from the Duck Valley Indian Reservation in Owyhee. And is that Idaho or, or Nevada? I Paint a picture for those of us like myself, Colleen, who don't know where your reservation is. Um, actually, we're both Nevada and Idaho. Um, our reservation is um, started being Western Shoshone, which was the Nevada side, and then in uh, the, after the Bannock War uh, in uh, 1878, those guys were brought here to Dutt Valley uh, it, and came to Dutt Valley or the Western Shoshone Agency, and then it became part of Idaho. With two, we have three executive orders that make our reservation. I understand that you started making films uh, about seven years ago, and that you've worked closely with students. Uh, what do you think is the 
the, I don't know if magic is the right word, of this combination of you and your history, the students you're working with on this and other projects, and film, what power is there to shatter the pictures that so much of America has in their heads about Native Americans? Um, it was a great bunch of kids. I mean, I got a bunch of kids in the after-school program, and Lance and Destiny were pretty much the, the start of it. And I kind of just was a helper at the start. Uh, and then eventually I started doing more and more and, and uh, really enjoying it. So my part into it was the history part of when the kids wanted to do something, I would find the right person for them to interview and to make their movies. So that's how I got started. And as we went on, you know, I think these stories that we've done in the past and we're working on in the future is really very important because we've always only had oral history. And so leaving these stories and stuff about our reservation and about our people, I think is very important, especially when we come from a very small place that most people don't even know where we are. I certainly didn't. And thank you for educating me on that score. Let's bring in Destiny and Lance now. Destiny Max and Lance Owyhee. I love the term uh, for your titles. Intern co-director and script consultants. Destiny and Lance, hi. Hi, how are you? (laughs) Hi. Good. So I'm curious about your role in this project for shattering the pictures in our heads and what you were trying to capture. Not to mention the age at which you did this. Were you aware of the pictures that perhaps the rest of America may have in their head about Native Americans? Destiny. Um, I think it was really cool um, to be a part of this project is, you know, it's it's very, uh, it's very inspiring. Um, Overall, I think, you know, being at this age, it kind of, I guess to take a modern view on it, as well as incorporating the ideas of, Western films that were made a very long time ago um, and just sharing what we know as, you know, young adults, students, anything, a child, like Colleen had mentioned, um, there's a big difference in how elders see students or how elders in general see youth and um, other times, you know, there's not. But I think it was a good idea to have um, us come in here. You've lived in Duck Valley a majority of your life. How do you identify in terms of your tribal affiliation? Um, so I am actually Navajo and Wallapai, which are Arizona tribes. And I have, yes, lived in Duck Valley a big majority of my life. Um, I moved here when I was in fifth grade. But uh, being here, I've learned a lot about Shoshone culture in general. Colleen has helped me, you know, understand a little bit more. And I think in ways I'm kind of tied to both. Obviously, there's still a lot to learn, but it's great learning about it, and I really enjoy it. And Lance, tell us about yourself and how you came to this project. Um, yeah, I started this project uh, working with Tara or Carol and Taki at first when I was in seventh grade. I think about, to me at the time, it was just something that we got to do, something that got us out of you know, doing whatever at our age, um, what could be happening that like bad things, I guess. But it's kind of unreal looking back at it right now and seeing how far we've gone because we're making this huge exhibit in Utah right now. While at the beginning, we're making little short movies about fighting or (laughs) monsters or scary movies. (laughs) So Lance, you are a member of the Shoshone Paiute tribes. When I'm kind of curious what your your anticipation is about this this debuting here, Yumoka, and what folks may or may not be prepared to see see or hear. And is there a myth that you want to dispel or a picture in folks' heads that you want to shatter through this work? Um, yeah, I mean, it kind of grew out of like maturity, I guess. So at the beginning, I was making videos about like our history or just like our school and stuff like that. But as I grew more, I kind of had this more idea of like what it really means to be, to like make these like movies and stuff. Like it doesn't have to be a message because we have all these movies put out and everything that we've done is kind of our take on our stories. 
if that makes sense. You are the ones behind the camera and in front of it. In fact, let's bring in traditional dancer Cheryl Hernandez, a member of the Paiute tribe from the Duck Valley Indian Reservation in Hawaii. Hi there. Hi, Cheryl. You sound like you are at a place where stuff is happening in the background. <laughs> yes, I am. We have an after school program going on and kids are going in and out of the classroom. And you are a paraprofessional at the Hawaii Combined School, one of the main traditional dancers featured in Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads. You've been listening to what we've been talking about from um, mm -hmm. the, uh, the, the adults who have been kind of behind the scenes to the intern co-directors, and you are a, a featured person about, you know, traditional dancing in this project. What is it you want folks to walk away from Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads, having experienced or understood? Well, I, I sure would like to see people understand that, you know, we're not just that image you see on TV or in the movies, you know, old Western TV shows, you know, we're more than that. We're typical people. We have our own, um, well, I don't want to say our own, but we have, you know, we have education behind us just as, just like anybody else. You know, we have our family dynamics that we have, you know, we're, we're regular people. We have emotions. We have character. You know, we have our feelings just as anybody else. We, you know, we live in homes. <laughs> we drive cars. We have our cell phones. We're just like everybody else, you know, but we are unique. We are unique individuals. You know, there's 300 plus tribes in, in the United States alone, you know, and we have the borders north and south of us, you know, and those borders are just lines you know, that separate different tribes. <clears throat> you know, we are indigenous to this country and we have so many different um, cultures within each tribe. You know, we have our own teachings and everybody's different. There's so many languages and, you know, we all have our teachings, you know, and some, some are trying to carry on those teachings in their lives and pass it on from one generation to the next. So to bring this full circle, Carol and Karam, this is firsthand stories joy, resilience, identity, community, and you're placing the storytelling tools in the hands of these folks to shatter the pictures in our heads. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about the 360-degree multi-screen installation experience, Carol. Well, I this is a natural evolution. First, I just have to say these... Um, uh, Colleen and the team in Oahe, they've made over 40 short films over the years. So we're saying they have made a lot of really interesting films. I think Lance did one on the history of the Duck Valley Indian Reservation. Um, is if you want to know more about that history you heard early on in the program, um, you can find that on YouTube. So this is really amazing. And this is a natural evolution of form. And so they're really experimenting with how you can, and you know, something Edge Discoveries into as well, um, how you can reach people differently. And we can can't just stick with the same old um, ways, you know, we, we can connect differently as people and through different forms. And so what you will see at Umoka is this immersive environment where you walk in partially created with 360 degree cameras and sound, but you can be surrounded by the sights and sounds that they have captured and the stories that they are, have to tell you. And so um, it's not just like watching something up on a screen, you can come in and take a moment to uh, be immersed, if you will, within that environment. And so that's the really exciting thing. And it has a rightful place at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art. Created for the, for you, Mocha, and its and its patrons and Karen. I like this this immersive experience because it's it's more than you know on display and I'm watching it. You're in it, and you can feel surrounded by it and a little bit more connected to it, Karen. Um, yeah. So uh, that was the, the the point. Like you were saying, we we want this. We know that it's our genuine perspective. So. How can we make it more intimate? How can we make the audience feel uh, that they're at, to a certain degree that they're there? You know, so they can see the landscapes and things. Like Alin was saying, not many people know about this reservation. So, can we show them the landscapes, but in a way that you feel engulfed in them, that you feel, you know, that you can hear and see, see these voices? So that was the point, and that's how this experiment started. And I, I, I appreciate so much how all of these guys decided to just jump in the roller coaster that I decided to 
get into and so yeah so we created it and it's, it's just being very exciting and for the youth museum of contemporary art you know we want to it's, it, this is not for us as a team and for it to discover this is not just one type of project and then that's it that we're done we want to you know the mission is to continue the conversation how do we do that by creating we're creating right now a couple of vignettes so we created interviews between Lance, Destiny and Colleen uh, where they uh, moderated or well had conversations with other activists and artists who are Native American living in Utah so we can see their perspectives on what does it mean to be Native American, uh, what what does it include to have representation, what does that look like, and what do they want to change in their own communities about that. So we're adding those things in as well into this uh, immersive experience. Well, and I love the tagline for the exhibit, shattering the pictures in our heads, re-indigenizing media in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, I think we... Uh, when we started thinking about this, it's, you know, we want to make sure that we are as authentic and uh, as possible with as many diverse voices. At the same time, because of, you know, the the organization we have, the, the, the team and the resources, uh, we would love to have as many perspectives and as many voices as we can. At the same time, you know, there is a amount of time and, you know, how much we can handle <laughs> in one try. So... Uh, what we hope that this project can bring is at least some of the, that different perspectives and um, inspire other people to continue their own projects, to create and even advance that conversation in their own places, or a possibility for this to become a bigger, you know, project if someone is interested to, you know, support us in that way. So Karen, because of COVID, the opening, which would usually be in the first week or the first date of the exhibition, has been moved into February, correct? Yes, so it will now be on February 18 um, from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, the, op- the exhibition will be open from January 21st all the way to April. But if you want to see our team, I mean, we're trying to get everyone together to be there, um, say hi to us and, you know, continue that conversation with us and everyone else in there. So thank you again. Thank you, everyone, for this great Bye. conversation. Thank you. And that's Karim Orego, Carol Dalrymple, Colleen Paradise, Destiny Max, Lance Owaihi, and Cheryl Hernandez, all part of the new exhibit opening January 21st at the Utah Museum of Contemporary Art called Shattering the Pictures in Our Heads, an immersive documentary exhibit that deconstructs the mythic Indian stereotype. They tell me they'll be adding more first-person video interviews to the exhibit, and I'm hoping to share some of those in the weeks ahead here on Radioactive. I'm Laura Jones, and that's our show. Thanks to all of my guests on the show this evening. Check tonight's show notes for links to their exhibits, to their organizations. Go and check them out. Get involved as a patron of the arts of DIY creatives in our community. I've got a bit of time, so I'm going to go with another Link Ray tune. This one's called Apache on KRCL 90.9. Meet Richard Parks, host of I Don't Sound Like Nobody, Friday mornings at 1 a.m. on KRCL. Radio saved my life. I mean, as a kid, there was no adult males who were talking to me except the radio. So I used to listen to radio all the time. I remember getting up at midnight to listen to R&B from the Trenton station with Jerry Blavitt, the geeter with the heater, the boss with the hot sauce, you know, listening to uh, play by play. And those people talked to me and the music talked to me. Let me know that whoever those artists were, they were thinking about things the same way I was. And it was good to know that. I just finished a book that says that the first rock and roll record was recorded in 1926. So I, I stumble back into the 20s sometimes, but a lot of post-World War II R&B and a lot of 50s. And KRCL's just, um, you know, I came here in 1979 and I don't know if I would have stayed without KRCL. It's been a uh, continual radio lifeline for me. Richard Parks, host of I Don't Sound Like Nobody, Fridays at 1 a.m. only on KRCL 90.9.